and welcome to another edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm Nick Kosmider, joined live here in Los Angeles with producer Kaz, who came up uh, from his domicile in Arizona to check out this game in, in person. Um, and what a game it was for the Broncos, who beat the Chargers 24-7 to on Sunday afternoon to move to 7-6. and They rebound from last week's loss to Houston. They've now won six of their last seven games following a 1-5 and start. They are in the uh, the crowded mix of teams that are fighting for the playoff spot. They do themselves a big favor on a day in which a number of AFC playoff contenders uh, take L's. And um, they're also, Matt, one game back in the AFC West behind the Kansas City Chiefs, who dropped their second game in a row to fall to 8-5. and five. Um, A lot to discuss with, with, with the playoff picture, but we'll start just with this game. I mean, this was one from the very start that was was all about the defense and you know the broncos force a quick punt chargers get one first down but then they punt uh to begin the game so the broncos get the ball after having deferred but on the very first play russell wilson throws an interception it's an it's a quick out to marvin mims who never gets a great handle on the ball and michael davis the the, the corner rips it away from him and all of a sudden the chargers have the ball at the Denver 13-yard line with a golden opportunity to strike first in what is a, you know, for both teams was a must-win game. The Chargers were 5-7. and seven. They needed pretty much win out to have a chance. Um, you know, the, the Broncos have just maybe a skosh more margin for error, but just a, a mammoth game. And you started off like that after three interceptions for Wilson against the Texans, and yet the defense, uh, four-play, a four-play stand. The Chargers go for it on fourth and three from the six. Don't get it. And, um, you know, that sort of set the tone for what was a dominant day for the Denver defense. Six sacks. They force an 0 of 12 on third down from the Chargers. They get two takeaways. Just, Matt, absolutely dominant throughout this game was was Denver's defense. Right. And, and it was fun to be in SoFi Stadium today. First time at a game this year. So that's always a good time. Um, but we kind of talked about coming into this game, how one of the keys for the Denver defense was going to be controlling Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen, certainly we, we knew coming in, he was going to get his stats. He was going to get his numbers, but, you know, we emphasized the importance of limiting that and keeping them contained. And they, they really did that. Um, you know, Jaleel McLaughlin was on him a lot of the time as he, Keenan Allen was playing in the slot, but also like, for example, the, that fourth down that we're talking about, Pat Sertan followed him across the field, was playing tight man to man that entire time. It was really a group effort from that secondary, keeping Keaton Allen and the the Chargers deep or the Chargers offense in in, in containment the entire game. But yeah, that that first fourth down, like you said, definitely kind of set the tone for what this defense was looking to do throughout the game. Yeah, you know they had six sacks by six different players, and when you have that, it, that's when you know that the defensive coordinator is really in his bag, really really just mixing it up with the, the pressure calls They you know, that they, 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 pre- they brought extra pressure on first down on third down on second down on fourth down. Like it was just um, a really sort of versatile, unpredictable with the pressure. Um, you know, Denver had three other sacks came from, from secondary players, two from inside linebackers, one from a defensive end, the outside linebackers didn't have any sacks, but then they combined for, you know, arguably the game's biggest play. Another one that happened early where uh, it's zero to it's still zero zero midway through the first quarter, and J- Justin Herbert drops back to pass. Uh, they're deep in their own territory. 
Baron Browning kind of split the guard and the tackle to, to, to provide some really good pressure, tips the ball, kind of falls right into the lap of Jonathan Cooper, uh, the other outside linebacker who returns it to the three. Broncos score the next play, Javante Williams' first rushing touchdown of the season. Um, gets them on the board seven to zero, and they're and they're never really challenged after that because they just kept coming. The, I, I was just so impressed with Vance Joseph's, um, you know, his game plan. And I asked him, I'd asked him earlier this week because I was talking to him about how, you know, they're they're you know kind of counting numbers for the pass rush, um, you know, are, are about average middle of the league kind of numbers, um, but they had been really good closing games with the pass rush. And, and, and they've been kind of timely with it. And he said the thing that people kind of forget is that we have played just this like litany of mobile quarterbacks where we, we have this sort of cage rush plan where we're trying to keep these guys contained. We're really big on not giving up these sort of big runs to quarterbacks. Um, it, it's sort of a tenant of that defense. And he's like, he applauded his guys for just continuing to be patient, understanding that, hey, at a certain time, we're going to be able to just cut this thing loose. And that's that's absolutely what they what they did today. I mean, Jaquan, Jaquan McMillan continues to be a revelation for this team. The nickel corner, um, second-year player. Again, he was inactive week one, wasn't even on the field. Um, as Isang Bassi, who is now playing for the Chargers, took that job. You know, they they realized about three weeks in, like we need to get we need to get um, McMillan on the field, and just his timing, his ability to to bend around the edge as a, as a, as a nickel guy blitzing um, his, his read and reaction of the quarterback, just, just a instinctive player who just constantly has been around the ball. He had a play in the second quarter after Justin Herbert goes out, he was sacked for the fourth time, uh, breaks his finger, gets knocked out of the game. So Easton stick, the, the, the former fifth round pick, he comes in and Jaquan McMillan on the, on the third play for stick comes in, swats the ball right as Dick tries to pass it. It's a fumble. So not only does McMillan force it, he scoops it up, scores the touchdown. Um, the play was called back upon review. They ruled that Stick had just started his forward motion, so instead of a fumble, it was an incomplete pass. But even without that play, McMillan ended up with five tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, a pass defense. Um, just, just remarkable job that they have done in turning this defense around and when you look at reasons why they they might be able to kind of make this playoff appearance after a one and five start it's because of this defense yeah absolutely the defense and this defense is kind of to your point starting to make its identity overtaking away what a team is best at so you know we mentioned the mobile quarterbacks when you're playing a guy like patrick mahomes it's important that you know it's less important that you get pressure on him than it is that you don't let him gash you for 30 yards on a third down run when you play a guy like justin herbert you're much more concerned with him beating you through the air and kind of some of the stuff that comes along with that certainly when it's easton stick you're not super concerned with him beating you at all but a guy that only has one pass coming into this game you there's absolutely upside to bringing pressure on on him as well and yeah it was kind of a definitely a team effort it was a, a zach allen sack that ended up putting herbert out but that kind of identity of like let's figure out what you're best at and take it away has come down not just on the your defensive side of the ball where it has been fantastic but you also see it on the inside of it on the offensive side of the ball we came into this week kind of talking about what the the two points are the two key things for victory for the chargers being contain keenan allen limit the damage from keenan allen 
and then contain or find your way to limit the involvement of Khalil Mack. That Khalil Mack had one tackle today, zero sacks. He did have one pressure, which came when, for some reason, they decided to send Alex Troutman and Cortland Sutton to block him. Uh, but apart from that, guy had, was absolutely not impactful in the game. And for a dude who had eight sacks in the last five games, that's that's and was leading the league in sacks coming into the week. That was definitely part of their game plan on offense as well. Yeah, and and they yeah they did a great job with Mac. It was reminiscent of the job that they did on Miles Garrett a couple of weeks ago to to beat the Browns. You're right; they've done a very good job of you know taking away what a team does really well, forcing them to find alternate ways to beat you. And this is now they, they've won six of seven games, and in every game that they won in that stretch, they've won the turnover battle. And the one game they lost, they lost the turnover battle. Um, but but this went further than that because the second turnover today was late in the game, the, the game already in hand. PJ Locke comes in and sacks stick, forces a fumble that Josie Jewell um, recovers. Okay, let's talk about the offense. It was a, it was a somewhat uneven performance for this group. Uh, they started one of five on third down, um, ha- had some trouble with the pressure looks, particularly on third down early on that it's, uh, the Chargers were throwing their way. Uh, they got the early touchdown thanks to the Jonathan Cooper interception that we talked about. And then they, they did a nice job moving the ball on a two-minute drill. Lucas Kroll, um, the, the, the tight end that the Broncos have been trying to get involved, um, you know, second-year player, didn't have an NFL catch going today. He gets his first catch, a big one down the right side um, to kind of spark that two-minute drill that the Broncos – the Broncos ended up getting a first and goal at the eight, um, or yeah, a first and goal with 23 seconds to go, uh, aren't able to, to push it in. Um, Jerry Judy had a touchdown catch, but it was ruled that he uh, did not get his second foot in, so it got overturned. They settled for a field goal, so it's 10-0. Uh, but in the third quarter, Matt, early on, kind of right near where you were sitting, uh, the Broncos get a 46-yard touchdown catch from Cortland Sutton on a play that Sutton, you know, Sean Payton pointed out, like, at seven or eight seconds. Like, it, and it, he, he never, usually if these plays take a long time, we're seeing Russ kind of get out and, and do something. He really just kind of sat there and ultimately waited for Sutton, who said he was going to come back. He told us after the game, I thought about coming back toward Wilson on that play, but just instead kind of turned and just kept going and hits him for a 46-yard touchdown in which Sutton's entire left arm was being pinned down by Michael Davis, the corner who had come away with the interception early in the game. Um, and Sutton catches it anyway while drawing a pass interference penalty. At that point, midway through the third quarter, Broncos are up 17-0. And with the way the game had unfolded and where the charges were, that, that was pretty much the sealer at that point. Nick, I'd have been more confused if we hadn't seen a ridiculous one-handed Cortland Sutton catch in the end zone. That, I mean, that, you know, we were sitting in the stands going, like, I think it's time for Cortland Sutton to catch a, a touchdown pass. The, the connection between Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy continues to seem strained at best. There was there were a couple of shots there that like you talked about the the touchdown that should have been before the half where Judy just clearly didn't know where he was on the field. You know, he didn't seem to make much of an effort to get that second foot in bounds, um, resulting, you know, in that incomplete pass there. And it was called that, you know, that was definitely the correct call. So we can't really can't really complain too much about that. Um, but I think kind of to your point, like overall, like what this offense proved or what this team showed again is like, what is the recipe for the Denver Broncos to win games? And they are a team that is just so much better prepared to win games when they are not in obvious passing situations. 
Russell Wilson, when he's got eight guys in the box defending the run and is, can run the play action and can look downfield and find guys like Corden Sutton eight seconds into a play, as opposed to the Khalil Mack pinning his ears back and, you know, full-on sprint at the quarterback. Like, those are just two completely different kind of game styles. So being a, getting at the early points in this game, getting the, you know, the additional tag-on points, even though it only ends up being a field goal, like getting the ball back – at the end of the first half with two minutes left, going down, scoring points, and then immediately re- getting the ball back at the next half just kind of sets that momentum and really kind of cemented where they were in the game. And then being able to – that last drive, Nick, really was probably one of their best drives of the season. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, Easton Stick had hit um, Quinton Johnson, the rookie wide receiver out of TCU, for a 57-yard pass. Um, that was their kind of their first big play. The, Bron- uh, the Chargers ended up scoring – on a on a ninety something yard drive in, in five plays took less than two minutes and all of a sudden a game that seemed completely put away now it's seventeen to seven there's ten minutes and thirty seven seconds to go and you, it wasn't it certainly wasn't panic time for the Broncos but it was like okay they need to they need to get a couple first downs they need to melt some of this clock and they they put together to your point an excellent drive Javante Williams gains twenty yards up the middle on the very first play um, that kind of gets them near midfield and kind of really really sparks it uh but along the way they pick up three third downs adam troutman um you know we talked about how we're not getting any production from the tight ends the broncos haven't um but a a big tight end game for them relatively with with we talked about the big crawl catch adam troutman makes a catch in which he breaks a tackle to get a first down they pick up another couple third down conversions and then they're they're third and two there's about three minutes and 13 seconds to go they have a third and two uh inside the 10 yard line and, um, you know, the Chargers call time. They call their last time out. They're going to basically sell out, uh, sell out against the run on this third down play because you're thinking, hey, the Broncos are going to call two runs. They're going to take it down to the to the, the two minute warning, essentially. And, you know, kind of kind of go from there. Um, and then even if even if the Chargers get the ball back, they're still down 10. There's less than two minutes to go. Instead, a great play call. They, they leak Adam Troutman out from. Uh, from the line after he's pretending to block. He's wide open in the end zone for the easiest uh, touchdown pass Russell Wilson has thrown all year. I don't think there was a defender within 10 yards of him, Nick. Yeah, no, there, it was it was a really great play call because, they again, they were selling out um, to stop the run at that moment. And so then it's, yeah, it's 24-7. That obviously wrapped up the game. And, and Sean Payton, he was he was ticked about that the, the previous drive because the Broncos were, you know, we had all looked it up. They were, they were looking like they had a legitimate chance to – to pitch a shutout. It would have been their first road shutout since 1992. Um, and it, it looked for a while like it was going to go that way. And then, you know, with a 57-yard pass that where Johnson gets, you know, beats Fabian Moreau, um, you know, then, then they were kind of off and running on that drive, that one particular drive. So, um, yeah, it was, again, it was, this was a game that I, I don't think, I don't think the Chargers would have put a whole lot of threat to him today, even if Justin Herbert hadn't gotten hurt. He, he just looked off from the very start. And then certainly with with him out, a guy in Easton Stick who has virtually no experience um, and might have to play now for the Chargers going forward. It'll be interesting to see if this impacts Denver's next game against the Chargers, um, which comes uh, New Year's Eve in Denver, um, whether Herbert will be playing by then or not, because that, obviously that'll be another must-win game in a series of them for the Broncos. Uh, but yeah, th- I, th- I think they, they did what they had to do today. They, they come out in a, in a weekend where... They had already gotten help from the very first Thursday when the Steelers lost um, to the Patriots. You know, that that was sort of the way that it went. The Colts lost today. Um, you had the Texans lose today. 
um, you know, you, you've gotten some help along the way. And so here they are at seven and six. They're one of nine teams in the AFC that is either eight and five or seven and six. And, uh, you know, that includes the Chiefs, like we said. So the, the West um, is, is not is not the, that that path to the playoffs is not dead at this point um, at all. And, and you think, man, if the, if the Broncos have beaten the Texans last week, they'd be in one heck of a spot. But as it is, they have four games to go um, and, and are right in the thick of it. Yeah, so let's kind of touch base on some of that playoff picture stuff. So as we talked about, the Chiefs, Jaguars, Browns, Steelers, Colts, Broncos, Texans, Bengals, and Bills are all either 8-5 and five or 7-6. and six. And so the first tiebreaker, when we start to get into figuring out who those are, is going to be a head-to-head record among those teams. So if you have five teams tied at 7-6, and six, what are the records of those teams when they play each other? So it's not necessarily, hey, the, the Texans beat the Broncos, so they're ahead of the Broncos. It's how did those teams compare against all the other ones? So there's that those numbers are going to shake up a lot over the coming weeks. So which teams end up being tied plays is going to shake up a lot. So it's really kind of hard to break down exactly where that ends up coming. So the kinds of things that we can really be sure about right now, you look at the the, the Broncos and the Chiefs. So the the Chiefs are still a game ahead, so they're eight and five as opposed to the Broncos being seven and six. They split their head-to-head games, which means that there's that tiebreaker's out the window. So then it would come down to division record between them to see who was going to win that division. Unfortunately, the Chiefs are currently three and one in the division, whereas the Broncos are sitting at two and two. So they would need to close the game not only overall in the Chiefs, but also in the division to have that tiebreaker. But with the way that the the Steelers, Colts, and Texans look today, with the Texans losing potentially losing CJ Stroud going forward, and the Steelers dropping a game on Thursday, rather there's definitely a path to the playoffs, Nick, at 10 and six, at, at 11 and six, for sure. 10 and seven is definitely feeling pretty good. Yeah. 10 and seven. And now they go to face a lions team on Saturday night, relatively short rest um, against a Detroit team. That's, that's lost a couple games here of late lost today to the bears. Um, you know, so this is, this is not, I think for a while you were looking at the Detroit game saying like, that's yeah, that's when they're going to drop it. It's still a, it's a difficult place to play at Ford field. Um, it's going to be a tough one. Sean Payton going against his longtime assistant and Dan Campbell. Um, but, but yeah, not, not out of the realm of possibility. We, yeah, that is, that's the last NFC game on the schedule. Um, so you, if, if you are to drop that, then you're probably going to need to win your last three at home against the Patriots and chargers. And then on the road to close the season at the Raiders who, who lost today to drop to five and eight. So um, yeah, I, I think I would say that it's, it's too early to get to, to dive into every machination because some of these teams play each other. Some of these teams in the AFC wildcard picture, the Broncos don't play any more of these teams that are in that mix. Um, so they're kind of, they're kind of off doing their own thing. A couple of these teams will probably knock each other off um, at some point, but yeah, it, it's, it's clearly going to come down to the to last week of the season for several of these spots. There's, there's just no one running away with the AFC right now. So yeah, um, be great great to watch Matt. any any kind of final thoughts here from la tonight you mentioned that the last thing i was excited for was watching games in december that mattered nick we're getting close to watching games in january that matter and at the at a, after a season that started one in five if you're watching games in january that matter that's pretty damn exciting yeah no it, it was this is again there's only four teams in the league's history that have started one in five and then made the playoffs it is it is not a well-trodden path uh, for a squad to, to have that kind of abysmal start and to and to turn it around, but this is a this is a far different team. They've made personnel changes, particularly on defense. They became, I think, a little bit more comfortable 
uh, with the scheme. They've identified a way that they want to play. They play with some real toughness. They were the far more physical team today, and that's been the case in a lot of these games. So there's just a lot to like about the things that they've put together, the veterans they have in that room. I think I think this is a player-led team. Um, yeah, and so here they are. They, they, they come here. They take care of business, and what a, what a fun final four like uh, – I'll just end it with this. Russell Wilson had an interesting mixed metaphor where he says, we're in a horse race and we have to finish strong in the fourth quarter. I don't think horse <laughs> races have quarters, but maybe quarter of the track, yeah. I guess, would be the last, would leg. Be the best. last leg, the, the, yeah. the home stretch. That's what it is, the home stretch. So they got to get their sea biscuit on. Um, for us here in L.A., that's going to do it for tonight. We appreciate you guys, as always, subscribing. Tell a friend. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. And, um, you know, thanks for being some, some great fucking listeners. Uh, until next time, thanks for stopping by.